Jesus. There's no other name better than the name of Jesus. Well, it's good to see you in the house of the Lord today and uh, enjoyed the praise music this morning. It was fantastic. And I always get a blessing when the praise team sings. And thank you, Nicole, for that beautiful song. No other greater name than the name of Jesus Christ. Next month is Thanksgiving. Isn't it amazing? The month after that is Christmas. And a month after that is New Year's Day. It is amazing how fast time flies. And uh, we'll be celebrating the year 2018 in about a few weeks. And that's amazing. But we were thinking about Thanksgiving. In fact, we have, uh, we're using the emphasis, bless Thanksgiving ever for the month of November. And we've come up with 30 days out of the month of November. We've called this 30 Days, 30 Ways how to express gratitude. Now, we'll have that to you next week. It's a little chart that will help you, uh, give you some direction on, on how in the 30 days of November, how you personally can express gratitude through the month of November. And uh, we're just going to try to gear our minds. Lord, help me to be grateful, not on Thanksgiving Day, but help me to be thankful throughout the whole year. So the month of November... We just want to become extremely saturated with thanks, thanksgiving and with a thankful heart. Now, because of that, I was thinking this morning, Lord, what would you have me preach? And God just laid on my heart to, to just kind of really start the impetus of getting the emphasis out on a thankful spirit. So this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, instinctive prayer, the instinct of praise. I want to speak to you on that. And uh, this morning, I want you to look with me in your Bibles in Luke 19, 37 and 40. This is what the Bible says, and it'll be on the big screen so you can see it. Then as Jesus was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and he said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject instinctive, the instinct of, of praise. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, for Holy Spirit enlightenment. We thank you for the beautiful music that has, has directed our hearts and our eyes upon you this morning. Now, Father, we'll pray that you'd bless this word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. This morning, our attention draws toward the triumphal entry of Jesus going into Jerusalem. It's a, it's a topic of Scripture that we rehearse every Palm Sunday of the year. And I was thinking about a classic story that, that would really deal with the subject of praise and, 
I don't know of a stronger text when it comes to the subject of praise than this text that we're, that we're reading this morning. But we want to take a closer look into this familiar story. We want to pull something out of this text that will give us some meat, something that will give us some strength, something that will give us some substance when we come to the subject of praise. We, we find as we look at Luke 19 that, that praise is the central message in this little text. But it's just not praise, but rather it's a praise that breaks out of the heart without notice. It just comes from nowhere. It just springs out. It is a praise that quickly responds from instinct, without thought. That's why I've called this instinctive praise, praise that just naturally flows out of us without design. Now, instinctive praise is a natural reaction. It is a natural reaction or a specific response to an outward positive experience or absolute truth. I have found that instinctive praise is innate. It is something deep within us. It's a deep sensitivity of an absolute truth that affects our whole being. Instinctive praise begins with an inward burning of gratitude or a deep appreciation towards someone that we love and adore. And it's released without any inhibition or without any restraint. Instinctive praise is what we would say is the real deal in the 21st century. In fact, I watch football with my wife uh, every Saturday. Now, most of you know I'm not a football fan. I'm not really into sports, period. But because I love my wife and I, she has a passion for the Alabama college football, which is the best, she says, in the world. And uh, so I, to do something, uh, I, I watch football with her. And, uh, and I, I don't get caught up in the game, but I love watching the people. And uh, I, I watch the crowds, and, and when there's a great play, the, the, the cameras scan the thousands of people, and I watch people go nuts. I mean, they paint their face half red, half white. I mean, who does that? I mean, they take their shirts off and put, you know, roll tide right on their stomach. I'm like, I, well, I ain't going to say that. But I can't imagine someone being that passionate. And I watch these people, they're screaming, they're yelling. And I thought, I'd like to take about 100 of them folks and put them in our church, amen, and just let them go for Jesus. But I, I thought about that. I, I watched the crowd. I watched the spontaneity of, and it's not rehearsed. They don't sit there and play. Now, the next time they do a play, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say this. Or I'm going, it's not uh, perfunctory. It's, it is natural. And when there's a great play, they come up out of their seats and whatever is in their hearts comes out of their mouth. And it's a great time of, uh, of praise on their part. Some people, when it comes to spiritual things, have developed this thing called instinctive praise. They have learned to overcome their fear of showing their emotions, but their love and their passion of God is so great that it erupts with the slightest joy that they feel in their heart. They've learned, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to hold back. Yet there are some people in the house of God that have learned to be stoic. They, have, they brag about their ability to harness their emotions, believing that, that they have reached some level of maturity by suppressing and hiding their emotions. They'll look around and see someone get happy in Jesus and think, well, now there's a very immature person. 
They pride themselves on harnessing that stone face. And they love, they just don't respond naturally to anything miraculous or supernatural. They seemingly miss the opportunity to express any feelings of joy or favor for fear that they would be vulnerable and that they would be superficial. You see, studying the Bible, I find that God thinks differently when he sees people involved in instinctive praise. He finds instinctive praise refreshing and truly valuable in his sight. That's why he says, I love to watch children because they don't have any veneers. They don't put on any games. You know, whatever joy they have, it just comes out naturally. And, and, And God finds that refreshing. So in our text, we find instinctive praise in action. Thousands of people who were moved by the Holy Spirit to praise God from their hearts. Think of the thrill of that moment of the triumphant entry of Jesus riding in Jerusalem. Now, a lot of historians will tell us that that moment when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, that there wasn't just a crowd of 100 or 250 people. They said it was a an approximate crowd of followers of Jesus of close to 7,000 people, 7,000 people rejoicing and praising God. It was a glorious moment. It was a moment of hysteria. It's like it came to a fever pitch of the ministry of Jesus, and they were marveling at God's great work. Now, this morning, I want to share briefly with you. Don't you like the word briefly? You're looking at me like, I don't believe you for anything. But I want to I share three things with you this morning. Number one, instinctive praise is an abrupt response to the mighty works of God. Instinctive prayer, praise is an abrupt response to the mighty works of God. Now, Luke 19.37 says this, the whole multitude of the disciples, these were all the followers of Jesus, not just the 12 disciples. The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for, circle that little word, all the mighty works that they had seen. This crowd was a witness to the deity and the sovereignty and the miracles of God. They had watched Jesus for over three years. They witnessed his miracles. They watched him open the eyes of the blind. They watched him open the ears of the deaf. They watched him loose the tongue of the mute. They witnessed him casting out demons. They saw him helping cripples to stand upon their newly healed legs. They even saw the dead brought back to life. In fact, I can only imagine that many in that great crowd that was praising God as Jesus was being presented as the king to the nation of Israel that had already experienced healing in their own body. There was this great, loud, instinctive outbreak of praise when Jesus came on the descent of that mountain, sitting on that donkey. It was so loud. That praise was so loud it could be heard around the whole world. In fact, it intimidated the legalists. It intimidated the legalists, the church players. They were worried about it because people were getting too excited about church. I, listen, I've preached in church services where people became unnerved when someone just got happy in the Lord. I think it's a good thing for God's people to throw off their inhibitions and to worship God. You're saying, what do you mean? If you feel something in your heart welling up inside of you, you need to let it out. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm going to let it out this morning. That's all seven of you. 
We're going to have a good time this morning. This instinctive praise started with the accumulation of the works of God, rolled into one abrupt, loud shout of praise. It was their natural response from his years of performing ministry. They witnessed his glory. They knew that he was the son of God. They knew he was king. They believed it in all of their hearts. And now they see him coming into Jerusalem, coming as a king. Praise is simply expressing esteem for another person. We know that when we praise one another, we're praising their virtues and their accomplishments. It's something we see and feel deep down and then pronounce outwardly the worth and honor that we feel about that person. But, but praising God is so much more than that. The English word praise has a French origin, which means to prize. And that's to give us a little bit of glimpse of the, of the depth of that word called praise. To praise God means to prize God. It's like receiving the hope diamond. It's to realize that you just got rich in Jesus. It is to come into the presence of someone who has adopted you, who is wealthy, and who is powerful, and who loves you with all of their heart. It's to prize him. So when we praise God, we are valuing him. We are esteeming him. We are estimating his word, his worth. In other words, we mentally gather together all the facts and the mighty works of God, of all of the things we know about God, and we put them into words, and we loudly pronounce it. Now, the less you know about God, the less that you acknowledge the works of God in your life, most likely you will never praise him. That's why we need to sit down once in a while and we need, to take, we need to sit down and think about what God has done for us and review the mighty full works of God in our life. Let me ask you a question. Has God been good to you this morning? Has God been good to you? You see, to praise God effectively, we need to, to look at a new word, and that, that's the word appraisal. We need to make an appraisal of God to praise him effectively. So you have to appraise to praise. Psalms 50, 23 says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. We do that through words and prayers and, and shouts and, and joyful times. I like what Psalms 95 says with a loud, jubilant praise. He says, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him. Now, it's been said that this is a noise that wouldn't be tolerated in a lot of churches. It's a noise that's not rehearsed, it's not planned, it's not practiced, it's not even thought out. It's an immediate outbreak of loud, jubilant, exuberant praise. And now notice this scripture in, in Psalms 95. And let the Bible speak and let the Bible say what it says. It doesn't say loud, jubilant singing. It says make a joyful noise. It means to shout joyfully. Some say, well, I don't like to go to the church where people shout. Well, you better think about going to heaven because I guarantee you, heaven's going to be a place of great shouting. In fact, I, I, I can almost hear them now up there shouting in heaven. Amen? The reason is this enthusiastic praise is meant to reflect the greatness of God. 
And then I want you to look at the second thought this morning, and that is instinctive praise moves past self-consciousness. Instinctive praise has the ability to move past self-consciousness. Luke 19, 37 and 38 says, and the disciples began, now watch this, they began to rejoice. Have you ever been happy? Are y'all happy this morning? So I'm like, I'm not even woke up yet, preacher. How many are happy this morning? Amen. This, amen. The, the Bible says that these disciples of Jesus, these followers of Jesus, they rejoiced. And then the Bible says they, they praised God. And then they said, this is how they praised him, with a loud voice. It's obvious. There was a lot of Holy Ghost commotion going on that mountainside. People were letting go of their inhibitions. They were allowing their instinctive praise to run free. The unified sound of praise was a roar of excitement that drew attention to everyone in that surrounding area. The followers of Jesus moved past their fears of embarrassment. Now, there were some people there that frowned on those that shouted. There were people there, Pharisees there, who wanted to go by the rules, that that were concerned about holding the peace in the house of God. There were people there that, that, that were the power people. But this crowd, this followers of Jesus, were, were, were so excited and so in love with him and so believed in him that they were willing to throw off the blanket of inhibition and praise God and shout it with great joy. They got past their self-consciousness. I have learned that God-consciousness will always cast out self-consciousness. In other words, the more conscious you are of God's presence, the more blind you will be to the presence of those around you. That means blind to embarrassment before them and blind to impressing them if you're prone to self-centeredness. If we could get so taken up with God, so enraptured with God, we wouldn't care around us. We wouldn't care what they they thought, whether they are impressed or whether they are embarrassed by us. We would be so in love with Christ that we would give him our ultimate instinctive praise. King David was not self-conscious. When he got the Ark of the Covenant, which was the very presence of Christ, it was down in the house of Obed-Edom. You remember that Old Testament story? They moved the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom, and they brought it into Jerusalem. And as the Ark of the Covenant was going into Jerusalem, the Bible says that King David took off his crown, he took off his royal robe, and in his tunic, he got out there in front of everyone, and he danced before the Lord. How do you like that for some of the religious prudes? He danced before the Lord. You're saying, well, is that right? Of course it was right. She preacher, you're saying we should dance? You bet. You can figure out how to do it. I got so many metal hips, I don't know what would come apart first if I ever tried. But I'm going to give it a try some Sunday morning and just let me go. Just let me go. Amen. The Bible says that David danced before the Lord. He just danced. He just uninhibited. He was the king. He was the the distinctive king. He was the leader. and, And he just threw all that aside. And he danced with great joy before the Lord. And his wife looked out and saw him acting like an idiot. And she cursed him. 
you're the king. Why are you acting like this? Why have you become unhinged? Why have you, why have you become emotional over this ark? And the Bible says that God looked upon her and cursed her and closed her womb that she would never have a child. I think about that woman, that sinner woman. The Pharisees were having a dinner party for Jesus. They wanted to interrogate him. And a woman slipped in the side door. She had an alabaster box, a very expensive perfume, all of her life savings. And she got into the presence of the Lord, and she broke the alabaster box, and she poured the perfume over the feet of Jesus, and she wept because she had been forgiven by this wonderful Savior, and she wept, and then she covered his feet with that perfume, and then she let the tears fall upon his feet, and then with her hair, she dried his feet, and she worshiped him. The Pharisees were offended because that was a waste. How did this sinful woman get into our dinner party? This woman did not feel self-conscious around a bunch of negative legalists, but rather she, she became instinctive. When she got into the presence of Jesus, she shut out all of the opinions of men, and she worshiped with extravagant praise. And Jesus was reading the hearts of all of these religious hard nuts, and he said, leave her alone, because what she is doing is perfect, instinctive praise. I re was reading the story about the 10 lepers. There were 10 lepers that were cut off. They were ostracized from the community. The family had to cut them off because they were lepers. They were infected. And Jesus was coming along a roadside, and they were yelling to Jesus from afar. And they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. We're left in this little leper village to die. Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus looked upon those ten men, and he saw their pain and their hurt. And Jesus told them, he said, I tell you what, go and show yourselves to the priest down at the temple. You go. And they followed the Lord. They didn't question. They just obeyed the Lord. Those ten lepers took off running. And one of them, as they were beginning to run, all ten of those guys were healed immediately. And the Bible says that one man, as he was running, he stopped because he had this instinct of praise and the Bible said he did seven things. Number one, he returned back to Jesus. Jesus didn't say, come thank me first. You see, Jesus was waiting to see who had the instinct to praise. That blesses God more than anything. When you praise when you're told not to or when, you, when you're told to do it, this, this man instinctively thought to himself, I've got to return. And the Bible says, secondly, with a loud voice. Thirdly, he glorified God. Fourth, he fell down. And then the Bible says he fell down on his face. Five. And then he fell at the feet of Jesus. Six. And number seven, he gave him thanks. 
He threw himself prostrate in the presence of Christ. What was the difference between the followers of Jesus on that mountain, on the triumphal entry, and the religious rulers? There was a God consciousness that moved those folks to be blind to the criticism of others. What was the difference between King David and his wife? There was a God consciousness that moved him beyond the fear of man. What was the difference between the sinful woman and the Pharisees? She had a God consciousness that moved her, moved her to forget her environment. What was the difference between the one leper and the other nine? There was a God consciousness that moved him to radical praise. There's this instinct of praise. And then number three... Instinctive praise is promoted by God himself. He loves it. He loves it when you praise him from the bottom of your heart. Luke 19, 39 and 40, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I mean, there was some loud shouting going on. I mean, Loud shouting. And the Pharisees were jealous. It's interesting, the crowd refers to Jesus as the king. These old boys referred to Jesus as nothing more than a teacher. Rebuke them. Tell them to settle down. Tell them to get a hold of themselves. Come to put a lid on it. But this was an occasion which called for praise. They said, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. This was an occasion which called for great praise. This was a, a moment in the history of Israel. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but when our Lord was riding down that mountain into the city of Jerusalem, it was a historic event in fulfillment of several prophecies of the Old Testament. In fact, the prophet Daniel, hundreds of years earlier, had been given by God a certain calendar of time, which marked off precisely to determine the day and the date when the Messiah would present himself to the nation of Israel. And according to that actual prophetic time, if Israel had been aware of it, this was the predicted hour, the very second, the very day in which the Lord would present himself to, to the nation of Israel. Here I am. I'm the king. You receive me or either reject me. And we know how that went. Zechariah had predicted that Israel would see their king coming to them, humble and riding on an ass, on the colt of the foal of an ass, Zechariah said. And that prediction was also being fulfilled in that very moment. Here, that very hour, the prophets had waited and looked for the presentation of the Messiah to come before Israel. They longed to see this. This was a strategic time in his, uh, Israel's history. And as the disciples came over that hill, all of a sudden they were moved by the Holy Spirit to praise the one that was sitting on that donkey, the king, the elevated one, the one who had sovereign power, the king of the universe, the creator of the world. There he was in all of his glory. And the Holy Spirit moved in 7,000 people and said, praise him. He is the king of glory. Give him praise. God was behind that. God said, that's my king. Praise him. 
Glorify him. What a huge lesson to learn. It is God who moves men to praise him. I know what the Holy Spirit's telling you this morning. Praise him, for he's great. Worship him. It is of God. In fact, Jesus told those old Pharisees, it is necessary for them to praise me. And if men fail to praise me, I'll bring these stones back to life, and the stones will cry out, praise be the God of Israel. God has the power to awaken creation and bring it to the place of praise because he's worthy of it. The people heading for Jerusalem, they raised their voice and praise. It was loud. It was resounding. It was intimidating. It was powerful, but it was instinctive. There was no one going around, you should say amen to Jesus. No one should have to tell you to say amen to Jesus. No one should have to tell you this is how you should. You should because he is the God of your life. You were once a sinner heading for hell. You were once in the family of the devil. But because of Jesus' great love and because of the sacrifices that he paid, he poured himself out like wax. His blood was drained from the cross so that he could wash us and birth us into the family of God. And now... We are no longer strangers and enemies of God, but now we are joint heirs with Jesus. We're going to heaven. We're going to live with the King of glory forever. That's God's praise. Praise his name. Instinctive praise. That one leper, what was different with him than with the other nine? He had instinct. Something inside of him said, "Mm, before I show myself to the priest, I'm going to praise him. He fell with a loud voice on his face in the feet of Jesus, and he shouted, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. As we approach the Thanksgiving season, We ought to be obsessed about the king and let something naturally inside of us praise him. You're here today. You have clothes on your back. You have food. You have a job. You've been blessed. Blessed more than anyone in all third world countries. You've been blessed of God. You're on your way to heaven. God has been good to you. He has healed you when you've been sick. He has spared you in difficult, dark times. He's your God. Praise him. Not out of perfunctory religious efforts, but praise him from your heart because that pleases him. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Say, well, that's just not me. Yeah, I saw you at the football game. When that guy ran a touchdown, you didn't sit there and go, it's not me to get up and thank God. It's not me to shout when a football player catches a pigskin and runs it to the goal. That's not me. I didn't see anybody in that crowd in Alabama. One, I didn't see anybody sitting there thinking, 
it's just not me. The thing about it is, the truth is, you love football more than you love God. Bottom line. You got to love him with all your heart, with all your soul. Listen, he is our everything. He is our life. He is our breath. He's our eternal blessing. Praise him. He's your king. Bless him. Let's pray. With head bowed and eyes closed, you're saying, I don't.